Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at TechAdvisor. I am your host, Dom, joined this week by Henry, Lewis and Aniron. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, we have a full house this week, uh, despite a week where, oh, from being honest, up front, not a huge <laughs> amount has happened in the phone world. Um, so we're revisiting a couple of older phones. By older, I mean like two weeks ago. Um, ancient, ancient history. <laughs> so first up, Henry is going to talk us through the iPhone 14 Plus, which we chatted about briefly last week when we were talking about the, the stories that Apple had maybe slowed down production. Um, but Henry's now run his review on the 14 Plus model, and it's the only iPhone in the current crop that we have not super keen on maybe so we're going to talk through a little bit why that is how it sits in the lineup whether kind of apple has really figured out how the plus works for its its range as it stands and 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 where we think it sits in that space um then aniron is going to talk us through the xiaomi 12t series he was at their launch event a couple of weeks ago in i want to say munich and yep, uh, right. has reviewed the regular 12t model and uh, we also have, he's not on the show with us, but Jim has been testing out the 12T Pro, and I know a little bit about what he thinks of that. So we're going to talk through what we think of these two new Xiaomi phones that are sort of flagshipy, but kind of more mid-rangey, and in this slightly strange hinterland space. Um, and then finally, we are sticking with Xiaomi to talk about the Redmi Note 12 series, which has launched in China today. Um, I have been frantically <laughs> scrubbing my way through a Chinese live stream on YouTube, trying to figure out everything I can about these phones. Uh, discovered there was a whole fourth one I didn't realize existed very shortly before we put all this together. <laughs> nice. um, it's been one of those afternoons. So we'll be talking about the Redmi Note 12 series. Um, this is obviously Xiaomi's kind of uh, cheaper end line, but it's the top of the Redmi series. And there's always a bit of interest here because the Redmi Note 11 was a big series for Xiaomi. I think they put out somewhere close to 20 phones across the Redmi Note 11 series. Um, so we're already at four phones in the Note 12, and that's just day one. We've got another 12 months of these things rolling out. Uh, but there are some interesting specs here. There's another 200 megapixel camera, so we'll be able to talk about that in line with what was also is in the 12T Pro. Um, but also, what I think is now the fastest charging in any phone uh, is in Ooh. a kind of budget Xiaomi model for some reason. So we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, before that, other bits and pieces from the week. We have yet another new OnePlus phone. Uh, this is an America-specific model, the Nord N300. Uh, it's 230 bucks, but technically it's 228 bucks, which is the kind of the cost you get when you calculate the lowest monthly price T-Mobile will do it for, <laughs> and calculate that across the cost of the contract because right now you can only get it from t-mobile in the states but anyway basically 230 bucks uh powered by the mediatek dimensity 810 33 watt charging 48 megapixel camera and a 90 hertz lcd screen it looks like a pretty basic package but honestly most of the oneplus budget phones have been pretty decent for the price and i mean this is a big phone for them the n200 was huge for them in terms of sales figures in the states and you know we think of oneplus all about the flagships but actually it's where they're actually making their money right now in the u.s market it's all about their cheap phones and the n200 was the big driver of that so the n300 i'm sure they're hoping will be the same again imagine they've rushed in where lg no longer is exactly in, yeah because yeah. lg, bit of a LG hole le it was mad out. that lg left that market um considering it was uh, the third player in terms of mm -hmm. sales so yeah oneplus it makes sense for them doesn't it yeah so this is probably a phone that will sell very well regardless just because t-mobile will push it hard and that is what counts for a lot over there um sort of tangentially related to oneplus we have yet more from nothing um they released the ear stick this week which horrible, is just another pair of true wireless headphones <laughs> horrible name uh it also i you know just on a tangent i don't know where the naming convention goes from here because the ear one will be followed up by the ear two what are the ear stick followed up by the stick two <laughs> sticks. The sticks the sticks <laughs> what do they do a third one do they just have to keep adding s's at the end sticks. Stick, i presume the stick i've not been watching this too closely it's in reference to the lipstick-esque tube yes. they come in is it right so yeah. it's it is which is something we've seen before um we had the huawei free buds lipstick uh a year or so ago <laughs> yeah. 
which oh, were yeah. even more shamelessly in a kind of lipstick inspired package <laughs> where the Huawei one actually really looked like a lipstick tube it had even like a red accent designed to look like the lipstick itself poking out um these are nothing more nothingy in that it's still this sort of strange uh slightly transparent plastic cylinder with you know different bits of white plastic and black bits and red dots so no one's going to mistake it for lipstick but it is in that cylindrical case um these are 99 bucks 99 pounds which would have made them the same price as the ear one except that the ear one just got a 50% price hike in every market it's in so the ear stick are now the budget option costing what the ear one used to and the ear one have all gotten significantly more expensive which makes them a little less appealing. Um, the sticks do not have ANC or wireless charging, so they lose a lot of what made the Ear One so appealing for its price. Um, but at least on paper, they do have slightly better audio, so they've got bigger drivers and they've got a few other audio features that mean, in theory, they might still sound a bit better than the Ear One, are they but they're lacking those ear, kind of premium or features. Or are they just um, like kind of normal AirPods? They are more like normal AirPods in that they don't have the silicon tips mm. and they're that kind of, I think OnePlus, that's our OnePlus, I think nothing describes them as half in or something like that. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah, like but yeah, they are just that solid plastic <laughs> bit, um, which I personally am not usually a fan of in, in headphones, but I know wait, other wait, people wait. do prefer. You, so. you are an evangelist for the Galaxy Beans, mate. You love them. Oh, the beans are their own weird thing. No, there's nothing like the beans. That's all. No that's one else's piece, beans. That's just a bud of hard plastic nestling in your in your. <laughs> but ear. exactly, it nestles in such a weird little way. It's it's a completely different shape. Yeah, yeah. No one makes them like that. And then Samsung never will again. From what, from what I've you, seen, you've, I'm sure you've got a stockpile of several to last you decades. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, what else have we got? Um, more phones. The Razer 2022, which I'm still kind of shocked to see is actually the official name of yeah, this weird. phone. Yeah, weird, weird. Um, but the Motorola Razer 2022 is now launching internationally. It's come out in the UK and Europe um, for £949 in the UK, which is a very competitive price, and €1,200 Euro in Europe, which is not a very competitive price. And I'm a little confused by the disparity there. Mm. Um, but they have managed to just slightly undercut the Z Flip 4 in, in the UK, at least. Which is a good space for them to be, because I did not think they were going to manage that. I really almost took it for granted they would end up being £100 more than Samsung's option, which is basically where they are in, in mainland Europe. Um, but, you know, this is encouraging. Henry, there was the, the press release was a bit vague on when people can actually buy it, though, right? Are these out? Is it no, out now, or is it just so kind of vague. coming at some point? Yeah, they did, they're doing what a lot of companies like Huawei and uh, Sony have done in the past, which is like, it's coming, and we're like, we ask them when, and then they don't reply to your email. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we don't know. I'm not privy to that information. It should be soon. Yeah. That is a good price. I wouldn't be surprised if they're losing money on it in this region. Um, it does sound a it bit was like 300 it. pounds less than the last generation and it looks considerably better for what you get mm -hmm. um so yeah i think we'll have it in for review at some point um but yeah don't and we don't, we don't have be. us pricing either do we no uh at least not not for us uh and it yeah considering it was uh the last version was out in the us they've gone yeah. europe heavy this time so <laughs> maybe nobody bought it it's it's hard to know my <laughs> Twitter is so funny about that because even I mean I we spoke on the show a few weeks ago about the Edge Thirty Ultra which I reviewed yep. and that also doesn't have a US release yet even though it's on sale here in the UK and and in Europe so yeah. I do feel like Motorola's they've been like this for a while now where they're a, a bit less consistent in their European and US releases and different phones come to each at different times with different branding and that sort of thing. Yeah, there are I, edge I would phones be in the States, but not these ones. But not that edge phone, exactly different ones. The Razer, I'm sure they, I feel like they would try and put it in the States, even just for yeah. the, uh, even a limited launch, just for the vanity of putting it out there and being able to say they put a foldable phone out. For the MKBHD video, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, you know, it's nice to see that is actually coming internationally because there was a little period where we were slightly worried it would be China only. But no, Razer 22 is coming out we are trying to get our hands on one as fast as we can so we can talk about it properly on the show uh we have more competition on the way though because huawei has now teased the huawei pocket s its next foldable uh phone which is getting a chinese launch on the 2nd of november so really really soon we don't know a lot about this we obviously had the p50 pocket last year the pocket s 
has obviously rebranded slightly. It's not tied to a, a P series or anything like that. Um, it was a bit of a surprise tease. I, I haven't seen many leaks out there about specs. I just saw something suggesting it might be a Snapdragon 888, which would be a bit odd because that's an older chip. Even by their standards, I would have thought they'd throw the 8 Gen 1 in, even with their 4G version. But yeah, we are getting another Huawei foldable. I mean, the P50 Pocket was great. Obviously, the usual caveats about Huawei aside, but the, the hardware was great. Um, really, really solid piece of kit. Very blingy design that wasn't for me, but everything else about it really, really did impress me as a, as a I love that design. As a clamshell so applicator. Just... Yeah. You, nice. you, you're you a fan of the design. I loved really? it, yeah. I don't know what it was about it. Usually, I don't like so those kind glitzy. of garish designs. <laughs> yeah, but like... <laughs> Something about it just called me to it. <laughs> uh, okay. And last but not least for this week, we have finally the reluctant confirmation from Apple that they're going to put USB-C in an iPhone. And it really is reluctant. The quote from an Apple exec is, obviously we'll have to comply. We have no choice. So they sound really <laughs> enthusiastic I mean, about USB-C. Just to touch on this, yeah, um, yeah Lewis and I reported... Uh, on this one out of the uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, their Tech Live series that they do every year. And yep. it was, uh, yeah, they should, Joanna Stern from the journal just asked, uh, what's so great about Lightning, basically, after he said that. And his answer was so, like, he was he would not budge from the marketing line. He was just like, a billion people have Lightning. Nah, was basically yeah. what he said. <laughs> and when she pushed and him on when that will be, he was just yeah. like, "Not no. But it will be probably iPhone 16, which will be the one in 2024. They will have to have it. And just, just sorry, I, I know this is a news point, but I am worried that they're going to do what they did this year with eSIM, where they will, you know, eSIM uh, only yeah. in the US, but in they can still ship them over here with a SIM tray. So are we going to see, you know, EU nations with USB-C and then... UK, US with Lightning still? It wouldn't surprise me from Apple. It's oh, very possible. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't expect that from any company other than Apple, but they have, with eSIM and with other stuff in the past, proved that they're pretty happy. They can they build these phones at enough scale that they can just do different continent-wide versions and and make their manufacturing pipeline work around that. So and I wouldn't it, yeah. be shocked to see and If that anything's going to push them with even more fury to take the port out completely, it'll be made yeah. to use this port. <laughs> and and to be fair to them, you can only imagine, I mean, we've said this before, but that must have been kind of what they were building towards because that line about well, the, the, the only thing they had to say back about what's good about Lightning is, well, everyone's already got all this Lightning stuff. And it's true. You know, the big challenge for Apple here is the branding around, although generally we all see the move to USB-C as a good thing, a lot of people who just already have lightning-based things will just be annoyed that none of their charges work anymore and stuff like that. And that does frustrate people. We saw that when they moved to lightning in the first place. Everyone was furious that they'd adopted a new port. <laughs> and they'll have to deal with that. And probably they were just hoping to not deal with it until they got rid of ports entirely and, yeah. and never bothered with that. But um, obviously, whatever apple event where they announce it we'll always just be talking about how great USB-C is and how brilliant the transfer speeds are and the fast charging they've unlocked with revolutionary USB-C technology and uh none of this we have to comply we have no choice bitterness will be seen on stage but uh yeah USB-C iPhones definitely on the way as Henry said probably not next year's probably the 2024 models probably a, a little longer there but is. you never know one analyst does predict that they might be next year. Yeah, there's a chance. So we don't know, and Apple yeah. won't say either way. So it could be the iPhone 15 is USB-C, but I would probably put my money on the 16s. A little bit further. All right, let's hammer on Apple a little more. Let's uh, <laughs> talk about the iPhone 14 Plus. Henry, yeah. you maybe it's a bit too strong to say you don't like this phone, but yes. you definitely seemed a bit disappointed from your review. Yeah, um, it's like the definition of a good phone in a vacuum. <laughs> um, I, I, this is the best way I could sum it up. And it's a, it's a weird one to review. I, I gave it, uh, for the few of you out there who haven't read my review, um, I gave it seven, seven out of 10. But it's in the big old context of the other phones they released this year and the fact that it's like a new one in the lineup. So at, the, at this stage, apart from maybe the iPhone SE, I don't think Apple sells a bad iPhone. Mm. Um, but the Plus is a weird one. So like, as we know, they used to make the Plus. You had the 6 Plus up to the 8 Plus, just a bigger version. Um, and then they confused things the same year as the 8 and 8 Plus by bringing in the iPhone 10 and split the line a bit. And then you had a couple of years without them, and then you go the 
okay, well, then we got the 12 mini and the 13 mini. I really love the 13 mini, especially because the improved the battery life. And it kind of made sense to me that you would have the two in the middle, you know, the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro, same size. And then at either end, a mini one, it was, the che it was cheaper, which was also uh, a good draw. And then the Max at the other end. But now this year, you've got the iPhone 14 and the 14 Plus, the new one, no mini, uh, presumably because on Apple's, up to Apple standards at least, nobody bought one. Uh, I've probably sold absolutely <laughs> millions more than many other uh, models <laughs> yeah. of phone on the market. Um, and so, yeah, you have the Pro and the regular phones this year, and they are just two different sizes, 6.1 and 6.7, depending. And I think what that does, because I'm reviewing this phone, and like you say, it's a really it's good. It is a good phone. The screen is very good quality, despite only being 60 hertz, which is insane for a phone that costs uh, $899, <laughs> £949 for the cheapest Ooh. iPhone 14 Pro. And it kind of rolls in, I think, with the aspect, um, sorry, the refresh rate point and then the value within the market. Like, we didn't do this, but when the Google Pixel 6a came out, right, there were journalists out there that trashed that phone on the specific point that it only had a 60 hertz screen, you know, they're like, you know, OnePlus phones at this price have a 90 hertz, it should be at least 90 hertz. And then you see the same, <laughs> I mean, I don't really like calling out other reviewers, but you know, some, many reviewers have just been like, this is an excellent panel. And it is a good panel, yeah. but they haven't pointed out that for a thousand pounds, it's not good enough. And I just, I just don't think enough people call out Apple uh, for that kind of thing. And I think because the phone is larger, they have to charge more for it. That's just how they do their pricing structure um, within that range. And so it just becomes the worst value iPhone um, of the range because you've got a phone that's only 100, well, I'm, I'm UK pricing here. It's only 150 pounds, I believe, less than the iPhone 14 Pro. Mm. So unless yeah. you really want the biggest iPhone you can buy at the least money possible, which I don't think quite works when it's so expensive. <laughs> mm. Uh, particularly this year it might have made even more sense in the iphone 13 because there was less uh to, that you got with 13 pro okay maybe you get the high refresh rate but maybe lewis can speak to this but like the 14 pro with the dynamic island and all the new all the things you yeah. get with that compared for that little extra spend unless you just want a big screen and you you're if you're already spending that much money wouldn't you just go for the 14 pro i just think the 14 plus sits in a very strange place I think the only strength that the 14 plus does have is the battery life compared to the pro. Yes. It does have that ridiculously is... good battery life. Um, <laughs> Apple says it's the longest lasting. And then if you look into the specs, um, the 14 pro max supposedly has better, uh, longevity for pure video playback. And supposedly that's down to the fact it's a high refresh rate screen. So it's a little more, uh, energy friendly but for everything right. else this is supposedly the longest battery life ever on an iphone and i mean i was using it pretty heavily and the most it went down to on a full day out of using everything was like 30 percent. most days i'm ending it on like 50 which is pretty good uh, ios wise um so yeah that is a the best things about it are the battery the performance is still very good but again something that irks me a little bit is that you're paying that much already for a phone that you doesn't have the same chipset as the 14 Pro, which again is something you get for that little bit of extra. Uh, you get the, uh, oh, numbers A15. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same one uh, as in the 13 <laughs> Pro. So it has a, a couple more cores uh, than the regular 13. Little things like that, you know, that Apple yep. sort of push into the marketing or, or, you know, the presentation. They say, oh, well, it's the same one as the 13 Pro. And you you also get... pro-level chip. Pro-level. And you also mm -hmm. get the same... But you don't get the pro-level features. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't get the same... Uh, you do also get the same main sensor as in the 13 Pro. So, I mean, the cameras here are, are really good. But you don't, you don't get a telephoto lens, um, which I personally tend to miss when I don't have it. Uh, and also, yeah. yeah, as Lewis mentioned, you don't get the pros, uh, uh, like 48 megapixel main sensor now. So I just, for, just for that extra spend in the context of the line that it's in, uh, yeah. you get so much more for that little extra spend for the 14 Pro. So much of it is just that, that uh, the, the gap they've closed between the different, different bits of the product lineup. Because before, as you said, the mini used to be cheaper than the regular iPhone. So you'd have this kind of mini and then iPhone similar pricing mini mm. a bit cheaper and then a decent gap up to the pros yeah. that made you kind of have a bit of pause about whether you want to go for a pro but it made it very easy to recommend the regular iphones and more well go for the pros if you know you need that telephoto if you know you're going to take advantage of these extra 
features mostly camera based or that high refresh rate that kind of thing now it's just that same problem with it they have in the ipad line that we were talking about last week i think where the models are all just running together and it's always just a f- short jump from one to the next one and it starts getting much yeah. murkier trying to really get a sense of well why should you get this one rather than that one because there's not these clearly defined demarcations anymore of which iphone yeah. is for which kind of person because it's mm. sort of like well you spend this much more you get the bigger screen of the battery but then a bit more again and suddenly you get all this pro stuff but you're going to give up on that big screen of the battery and and <laughs> you know yeah it's just not clear it's yeah. not clear anymore and it, gets it would have been so much easier if they just had the iPhone 14 match the mini price and then the 14 plus match the 13 price because then you would still have that little gap between them. I yep. think so. And yeah. I just that would have just made things so much clearer, but obviously they don't want to take the hundred dollar or whatever is hit from the because the legacy of the mini was like is going to be that it didn't sell enough, even though as I said, probably did. Uh, but then you're spending like hundred dollars or pounds or euros less, and yet, but you're like, okay, I've saved that and I can take that uh, the battery is going to take a bit of a hit. But then, yeah, the compromises that you have on the 14 plus, not you know, not having 120 hertz, not having a dynamic island, uh, not having the newest chip, uh, not having a telephoto lens, um, you know, all <laughs> these things, and then you're spending like 250 pounds more than last year's mini cost for the base yeah. one. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, and it feels like if Apple indeed did give up the mini because it didn't sell enough, the 14 plus just seems like a bit of a oh, we'll just do this one and see if it sells. <laughs> doesn't seem to be as much strategy behind it and i know they're very secretive and we sometimes have to guess about these things but that looks, that's what it looks like I, I presume there's also some production benefit to now only producing two two sizes they're only now having to source two types of uh, you know two sizes of screen panel two sizes of chassis all that kind of stuff and it i'm sure that creates some simplification and in, in their process to now just have two sizes to worry about but yeah i suppose so but they are made from completely different materials aren't they and uh the, between the pro and the um regular phones last year they had the same size notch and this year they're completely different so That's yeah true. yeah, yeah. might have worked but um yeah they will have their special you know supply chain reasons um yeah but yeah and it's, it's better for case makers at the very least yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true um so yeah, like I say, when, when, I, when I was using the thing, like I enjoyed it. Like it's really good for reading on because I, I had been using a 13 mini before the review period. So then I went to that and I was like, whoa, this is so such a large phone. Um, almost too big with a case really, uh, in my opinion. Um, so it's kind of like a really good, it would have been a great lockdown phone. It's a really good phone for like re- around the house. You don't re- reach for a tablet. You know, I liked reading articles on it a lot more. Uh, video call was obviously great. Gaming is great on it. Um, the performance is still like really good. Um, but then, yeah, when I went out for the day and then I had like uh, my little wallet attached to the back of it, I was like, didn't want to even put it in my pocket. So like, such a large phone. Um, <laughs> yes. And I think that design has kind of maybe reached the end of its the end of its line as well. Apple has sort of quietly got away with rehashing that notch design uh, since 2017, really. Um, so, again, you'll be incredibly happy with it if you can get it. And I think you could get too hung up on the pricing point. Um because you know, some most people are going to buy this on contract in this country, at least probably. Yeah. So, um, if you are thinking of getting a big screen iPhone, maybe just take a look if you can afford, uh, you know, to get one of the pros because you're going to end up with a phone that feels newer as well. Because half of the thing that makes the thing feel new is iOS 16 in the first place. Uh, that I kind of yeah. pointed out in my review mm. as well. Like, if you've got an iPhone 12 and you're not too sure, just update it to iOS 16, and maybe you can get another year out of it. Well, especially given that you know there obviously isn't. With iPhones, people are always looking at, well, can I just buy one of last year's models? And there obviously isn't a a an equivalent plus for last year, but you could mm. just look at one of last year's Pro Maxes. Oh, or for something sure, like oh, that. yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think if yeah. you're if you're really in that space where you want a big iPhone and maybe you can't quite justify going all the way to the 13 Pro Max because while the jump from the Plus to the Pro is moderate, once you want, if you know you want the big screen, the jump from the Plus to the Pro Max does feel a bit healthier. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I totally looking agree. at a 12 yeah. Pro Max or something, you know, I'm sure that it's very easy to get hold of. And honestly, that will do a lot of stuff that this year's Plus doesn't. Mm. And we'll have yeah. camera features that this year's Plus doesn't, but will probably be cheaper than this year's Plus. I toyed whether or not it was a niche thing to put as a con in our reviews. We do pros and cons. Uh, but I did it as a con for both the regular iPhone 14s, which I reviewed both of this year. And it was the fact that neither of them, Plus included, they can't shoot in raw format in the in the main camera yep. app. And I just think that's one of those things that Apple obviously holds back for its pro phones, you know. 
but on such capable cameras which they are and you know with the processor inside this phone you should be offering that kind of stuff to people on a smaller budget um yep. it really irked me that it can't do that uh little tip though if you download the app uh halide halide i never know how to pronounce uh, that it's halliday that's why i pronounce, I pronounce it. it oh my days h-a-l-i-d-e <laughs> it's a it's a pretty decent um you know secondary uh, ios uh, camera app and you right. can shoot you can shoot in raw so the phone can do it they haven't yeah. blocked it they just uh, leave that off but anyway let's get well, into the weeds a little bit but that is what you know one of the other things I wanted to bring up, which is we were talking about how the pricing of this shifts its position within the iPhone lineup. But as you also alluded to earlier, talking about refresh rate and things like that, mm. I think the pricing, the position of this plus model really also just throws it into starker relief. That thing we always talk about, which is how these are priced and specced compared to the Android market. Yeah. And actually, in fairness to Apple, I think for the last few years, the base iPhone has sat at a fairly competitive price for what it's offered. Yeah. And for years, it was always the case that the iPhone was a ripoff kind of compared to what you got from the equivalent Samsung. Actually, I feel like they fell roughly in step and you could really look at a lot of the specs other than maybe display refresh rate and say, well, you know, the iPhone 12 or the iPhone 13 compared to a Galaxy S20 or S21, you felt, well, they're kind of well matched for where they are in price and specs. It's the plus model here just feels like it kind of... As soon as you add that extra price bump to get to the plus and you start really looking down that spec sheet of, well, this is what I get for £950. What would I get if I spent that in the Android marketplace? And you start realising you get a lot more on a lot of those specs yeah. by going on to the you Android side. You get a razor, a folding razor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can <laughs> get a foldable phone for the for same price. £100 pounds yeah. less, you can get the uh, Pixel 7 Pro as well. Yeah. Um, and then, like as you say, in the small, the smaller one, um, that Pixel Seven looks very good at five nine nine compared to eight uh, nine nine US. Oh no, sorry, seven nine nine. But you know, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, they've gone back to where they were. So yeah, a good phone, and I'm sure if you buy it, you will enjoy using it as I actually did enjoy using it. But and when it came to reviewing it, I just felt it needed to sort of sit on the one that we would say you should probably look at the uh, phones either side of it. Yeah. Yep. All right, last question for all of you. Um, the mini, the mini was maybe a flop. They did two years of minis; it didn't work. That's why we've got. That's why we're in this mess. Let's say the reports are true. The plus isn't selling well. Apple's already slashing production. They're committed to a plus next year. We're going to get one more of these, but we're going to have the same thing: two years of pluses, and then the pluses bust. <laughs> what does Apple do for its lineup for the 16 series? Should it be? Should it go back to three models? Is yeah. there a different fourth model it should be trying to do? I mean, maybe that'll be when they actually introduce the foldable iPhone, and then that will yeah. be the extra thing that they do. Yeah, I but. think they're gonna. I think what would make sense would to be yeah, like you say, go three models, and that's when you have a regular and a pro, and then you have an ultra, and you can't pick the size; you just pick the tier. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, mm -hmm. but we've always had trouble guessing what they're gonna do. Not many people yeah. predicted the mini. Um, so I, I, who knows? But the foldable does make sense. I mean, they are talking. Uh, there is rumours that they are going to rebrand the Pro Max as Ultra mm. for next year yeah. to kind of further mm. differentiate from the rest. And they're going to it's going to get like a ten times telephoto um, lens and a few things that even the Pro isn't going to get. Right. Just to kind of make it more further away yeah. from what the Pro offers. Because I yeah I don't see any obvious drawback to them, major drawback to them taking out the Plus model right now because. If we see with the naming of some other phones, you often, like Huawei's done it, where it goes Pro Plus, <laughs> and you think, is the Plus, does the Plus mean just, is it just slightly better than the regular yep. model, or should it be this ultra flagship, and it is with some mm. companies, and then with Apple, it's kind of this one that sits in the middle. So I think introducing, there's obviously scope for them to introduce the ultra, um, have this one in, where there's not this kind of one that's in the middle, and then push towards foldables as being the absolute best experience possible, the most cutting edge experience. But having the plus right now, it feels like it's, yeah, as we've said, it's kind of like this awkward middle ground where it doesn't feel like it's necessarily serving. It's a very small, very niche, small subset of people who are actually going to buy this phone. It's what we yeah. think. Yeah. My take on it is, is, I guess, similar to what you said at the end there, Naren, that I think the, the, the people who want a big screen phone are not exclusively, but are often the same people who want the maximum pro features and to pay extra for 
more lenses and high refresh rates and things like that. And I'm sure there is a subset that that does not apply to and they want a big screen, but they don't want to get all the other bells and whistles. But I think it's a relatively small bit of the market Apple's chasing. And and I think if there's, it just feels to me like they've bitten off more they, than they can chew with four models at once. And we've just seen this that three models works for them. And as soon as they have a fourth, it just introduces enough kind of confusion and choice and range that doesn't suit what is one of their strengths, which is the simplicity of, of iPhone, you know? I think what you said they just there do as well. once a year, the number goes up, you get the new one, you know it's going to be really good, and you don't have a lot of decisions to make, you just know the iPhone is going to be great every year. And uh, it's a strength of theirs that I feel like they're, they're losing sight of a little bit. Yeah, like you said there, Especially like... with the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> but like Apple yeah. ch- chasing just that like market, iPads. which is like people who want to buy like the biggest phone at the cheapest price, but I think they've, they're kidding themselves if they think this is cheap. Just because exactly, compared to yeah. their ridiculously expensive yeah. phone, it's cheap. Yeah, you know, people will buy a large screen phone for five hundred quid because it has a large screen, not for yeah. not for double that price. Do do two models of SE yeah. instead. Do a plus size SE that yeah. offers a big screen at a budget. You know, again, budget Apple standards. But yeah, just like the iPhone eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, let's move on from there. Let's talk about Xiaomi. Um, the Xiaomi twelve T series launched in Munich. Uh, a few weeks ago, and Iron was there in person to check out the launch of uh, these two new Xiaomi phones that are in a f- sort of funny space, especially given the naming, and I think it might throw people off as to what these phones are, because you, the T name might make you think of, say, what OnePlus has done with its T series, where six months on from its flagship, it launches a T version, which is a half step forward, uh, kind of, you know, the processor gets a little bit better, maybe they swap one camera lens out or up the charging speed, and it's it's the next step up from that year's flagship. That is not the way Xiaomi treats the T uh, name. These are not the next step up from the 12 and the 12 Pro. I, if anything, I think both 12 Ts are cheaper than their corresponding 12 and 12 Pro models. They lack a few of those headline features that the, the proper flagships for the year have. And they are a bit closer to the mid-range. But that said, they then do throw in some other bells and whistles that the flagships didn't have, and have a couple specific specs where they do step up a notch from what Xiaomi had with its core flagship range. So it gets a little messy, but it just certainly isn't a sort of a, a clear, this is the next upgrade from the 12. Um, the headline thing for both of them really though is the 12T Pro, which is just one of now a little mini wave we're seeing of phones with 200 megapixel rear cameras. Um, or using Samsung's isocell sensors. We'll talk about that a bit. But um, first up, Aniron, you have actually reviewed mm-hmm. the regular model, the 12T. Um, mm. What do you think of that? Where, where, where does this sit? Is this a mid-range or is this a flagship? Is it in some murky gray area in between? Mm, it's, yeah, it's still certainly mid-range. So it's like the starting price is that £499, euros, and then obviously you can step up to a model with more storage. Um, and obviously the interesting thing is like Xiaomi does this kind of early bird pricing. So initially for those first few days after it came out, it dropped down to 399 which is like very competitive mid-range. And for that price particularly, um, the specs that it was able to offer for that price, especially in terms of performance and the cameras, was really, really impressive. So it's got the MediaTek, the Dimensity 8100 Ultra. Mm-hmm. So it's not the absolute top of the line from MediaTek, but it's not far off and in terms of the performance i was getting even with like the eight gigabytes of ram like it's really strong across pretty much everything um there was there was like the occasional hesitation stutter and a few app crashes but i do wonder if that might be um due to the software rather than actually being a limitation of this yeah i mean i think that it's hard to get away from that absolutely entirely i was i was thinking about that because i i had looked at your review and then i was it was while i was writing my motorola edge 30 ultra review and that's with the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, which is right now the most powerful chip on the Android market. And the phone's still like, add an app freeze on me, you know, mm. once or twice during the month I've been using the phone. And so it's, the chipset is not the problem there. There's just, sometimes yeah. it's just Android being Android, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's frustrating, but you kind of got, yeah, so it kind of got isolated that. And as you say about the, the 8 Plus Gen 1, that's, that's one of the big differences between the, the regular and the Pro model, because the Pro has got the 8 Plus uh, Gen One, but yeah, in terms of performance, I think like it's really strong. And for that price, even now it's gone up to say five hundred pounds. I think you'll you'll struggle to get anything that kind of outperforms it at that price point. Obviously, the the, the other big thing that Jeremy is pushing is the cameras. So the the regular twelve T only has 
108 megapixel main sense. <laughs> yeah, I say only compared to compared to this 200 megapixel on the Pro. Um, and like I was only like, because as you say, like J Jim is reviewing the Pro, so like comparing them side by side, there wasn't. I didn't notice a huge difference in just a few test shots. Um, but like from doing like day to day and proper camera testing of this main 108 megapixel sensor, I was really really impressed with what it produces for the price. Um, so particularly with like shots of architecture and, and landscape shots, it was like um, really bright, vibrant shots, lots of detail. Um, and it avoided, I've had a few kind of mid-range cameras and they often struggle with exposure, but this one was actually handled, handled it really well. Um, and it's got uh, and like the, the, the night mode as well. So like in some of those low light environments, it, it obviously like takes a few seconds to take the shot, but then the, the quality of the image you get at the end is really good. Um, and the other thing I was concerned about is obviously from that main lens, you're dropping down to uh, eight megapixel ultra wide. And that's often the complaint I will have is to say, oh, there's such a drop off in quality when you go to that wide angle lens that it's not even worth using in those scenarios where it's worth, where you'd want to use it. But in this situation, there is obviously a drop off in quality, but I still, was really happy with some of the shots it produced and even even that two megapixel macro which is kind of almost pretty much useless <laughs> if you really want some nice close-up shots it can produce them and that you can't always say that for those those macro lenses so in general that re and when you combine it with the 20 megapixel selfie camera which again was really good and handled exposure and um, highlights really well i think that camera system as a whole those four lenses they all they all offer something to the experience, and together they're really powerful for the price. How how are the um how is the twelve T in terms of sort of the design and the build quality? Because I, I was about to ask that. Thinking back to the previous year, one of the memories I had of the eleven T is that it felt a lot. I think it was chunkier than the Mi eleven, and it felt a bit more mm. plasticky. Definitely had this feeling that the T series was a much less premium, kind of had a bit better had some performance benefits but really mm. kind of felt like a much less slick experience um I, I don't know if you've ever actually used the the 12 or not so you might not have the comparison but mm. how is the 12t does it feel like a high-end device or do you know you're using something that's quite mid-range no that was that that was actually one of the other things like when the, on first impressions that really impressed me about this phone is those choice of premium kind of design choice of premium materials like glass front and back um it certainly feels, yeah, it has that kind of premium feel that you would associate with a flagship. So if you told me that this cost, you know, eight nine hundred pounds, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it just based on the design. It still feels like a premium. And then if you're stepping up to the pro, it's got like an an identical design aside from obviously the main camera, but you actually can't tell the two apart. And I think that's really good. That really reflects well on the regular T as, as a mid range phone. So, I mean, like, yeah, as I say, I haven't tested any of the other kind of recent, really the 12 series, but I would certainly be able to say that this, from a design perspective, you're not losing out on anything compared to compared to the flagships. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the, the sort of stats of them side by side. So they are, I mean, one thing to say is the designs are actually very similar. And again, to Jamie's credit, I think from a aesthetically, they've they've kept that language the same, which I like. So I think the, the 12 series looks really slick, actually. 12s ultra potentially accepted because that's a weird one um this is it is a little thicker and heavier the uh t but it's also a slightly larger phone so i think that's a big part of what that comes down to mm. um and there's also the other caveat there that the xiaomi i realize that Jim, i'm making a very unfair comparison now that i think about it because the xiaomi 12 was small and the 12t is not small and actually if you compare know. the 12t to the 12 pro they are much more similar in terms of their um, dimensions. It is a bit thickier, but the weight is about the same. So not quite as right. sleek as, as the equivalently sized original 12 series. But, you know, they, it looks like they've kept a lot closer there than they did previously with the T. Yeah, and I think unless you're comparing them side by side, if you're coming to this phone and just thinking, I want a great mid-range phone, and you pick this up and you think, I think most people will be really impressed because I, I was... In terms of like the, the build quality, I think it was really good. Yeah. Just as you touch on the, the size, the size of the screen, so it's six point six seven inches, I believe. Um, one hundred twenty hertz OLED, four hundred eighty touch 
touch sampling rate, which is what a lot of kind of companies are pushing on um, in terms of like boosting that gaming performance. It's not really a great phone for gaming. I mean, you can do the occasional, the, the performance is there, but after a few minutes of gaming, you will notice the phone quickly kind of overheats um, and without kind of those dedicated gaming features like a built-in fan and things to cool it down. It does struggle a little bit in that aspect. Um, but for those occasional casual gaming sessions, if you want to try it out, um, it's absolutely fine. And like the display in general was really, really good. Like I, cool. I enjoyed using it. Um, based on that, you would you might think that I would like it would be an instant recommendation. Like this is a great phone to buy. But the the main the the, the main issue I was having was with battery life. So it's it's got a five thousand milliamp hour battery, which I was thinking, oh, this will be absolutely fine. But I mean, it does get you a full day, but just about. Mm. And I noticed myself on those days when I was out using navigation, high brightness, mobile data all the time, that it was really dropping quickly to the point at which maybe like, I don't know, seven, eight in the evening, if I'm still out, that I would deliberately start dropping down some of these settings in order to make sure it lasted through the day. No, that's not what you want. And it's that kind of, yeah, it's kind of like that slight battery anxiety towards the end of the day, <laughs> which I was hoping based on the mm. capacity that... I'd be able to. That definitely it. sounds like an optimization problem on some level, because yeah, a five thousand milliamp hour battery should should not be uh, oh, yeah. chugging yeah. along like that. That should be coasting to the end of the day, you'd think. That's, yeah, that's what I was really hoping yeah. for. Um, and yeah, so, so obviously you could avoid this. You you could leave it at sixty hertz. You'd be all right. Obviously, the thing is, you want to at least have it on that auto mode, which yeah. can move between 60 and 120 hertz to make the most of the oh, no. display I've, and the experience. I've always, ever since, uh, I think it was the Pixel 4 when, you know, the reviews came out and everyone was saying, oh, the battery life is terrible. And then there was a sort of second wave of people saying, the battery life's fine. You've just got to drop the refresh rate down, turn off this, not use this feature, <laughs> disable that. It's like, no, 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 no. If the phone no, ships with all this stuff, it's got to be able to run with at least a decent a decent selection of these features on, on at least like the sort of the default mode they do. You can't just say the battery is great as long as you turn it all <laughs> off. Um, exactly. One one thing I guess that's worth thinking about then is to touch on uh, the, the jump from the 12T to the 12T Pro. And obviously you haven't reviewed the 12T Pro yourself, but you did see it. So there are only a mm -hmm. few differences between them. But as you've already mentioned, one of the big ones is that the Pro model uses the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. So I actually don't know. I haven't spoken to Jim about battery life on his. I would hazard a guess battery life will be better on that just because from what we've seen on other devices the 8 plus gen 1 tends to be extremely power efficient and yeah. sees phones mm. handle handle yeah. battery much much better so i would guess that's one of the benefits you're going to get from that jump to the pro model um design and build are all the same size as you said battery battery size is the same but life may be better mm -hmm. charging is the same you get an ip53 rating with the pro model yes. so that's a little little benefit but the other big change is the camera Right, so that 108 megapixel gets swapped out for a 200 megapixel sensor, which I believe is the Isocell HP3, um, which uh, is the. Actually, I'm not sure if it's the three or the one. Now that I say that out loud, I, th I thought they were all one at the moment, and Samsung's announced the three. Is that uh, where, so is it's that very where we're messy because the numbering is weird. They announced the one, then they announced the three. Yeah, but the three is worse than the one. Oh, okay. And they haven't announced the two yet. <laughs> oh, and fine. everyone thinks the S twenty three Ultra will use oh. the two because that's probably going to be better than the one. Um, the three is a smaller sensor the than three. the one is okay. for some reason, and right. those it goes into slightly cheaper phone. Um, so I was just going to say, you know, I I haven't used the 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 twelve T Pro myself. Um, spoke to Jim a little bit about his camera samples yesterday, and he's. Um, I think mostly happy with it. I think he's generally been impressed. I think his frustrations lie with the the secondary lenses, and I know he was saying he sort of feels a bit like his complaint is that feeling of being annoyed that you've got one good camera flanked by others that just aren't as good. Though they are the same secondary lenses, so it's a bit of a your mileage may vary because an iron you were you were pretty happy as you said earlier with with. I mean, with how yeah, compared performed. compared to other phones. But there's also there's I guess there's a there's a price difference there because the pro is a couple hundred more at which point your expectations of what that ultra wide should bring are going to change a little yes. bit. Um, I'll, I can say I guess I've been using we spoke about it before on the show the Motorola Edge thirty Ultra which is also a two hundred megapixel camera um, and it's good on there but not 
great. I that's also using one of the ISO cell sensors, so it's it's going to be a similar sensor. And you know, on the Motorola, it it took some really nice photos, but I definitely didn't go, wow, I'm blown away. This is the best camera in any phone this year, or, or anything close to that. It was just a kind of, yeah, this holds its own. This is good. I would hazard a guess that's fundamentally where the 12T Pro would fall. And what I've seen from camera samples from Jim and from other coverage elsewhere is is exactly that. It looks like it is a good camera. It's probably in the Pro, a particularly good main camera for the price of the phone. Um, but you've just got to be so careful not to fall into that. Oh my God, 200 megapixel. This must be one of the best cameras on the market. <laughs> I was. Uh, That's what they yeah. want. Having a look at this because uh, obviously, yeah, they kind of fr- were framed correctly as like a more of a mid ranger on the T, and then the 12T Pro steps it up to six nine nine pounds. Um, at the moment, the Xiaomi 12 uh, is on sale for the same price, six hundred ninety nine pounds, uh, which I thought was pretty good deal but also muddied the waters a bit and then even its full price is only 50 quid more than that so at this stage would you direct someone in towards the 12t pro or the xiaomi 12 i guess the main things they would get on the the t would be the new processor and the the 200 megapixel yeah that's a tricky one i i feel like i would probably lean towards the regular 12 uh, um, sorry, the tw- I guess. Well, no. Again, that's tricky because the twelve is small, so it becomes a slightly unfair comparison because you might not want that drop in size. Um, right. True. The twelve Pro would be the better comparison, which that I is, that is more expensive, <laughs> and like... that will be a jump in price. But I think that yeah. gives you much better secondary lenses. Is the benefit you're getting with that? Right. Um, you're getting a, a some proper kind of some zoom on the. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, yeah, comparing one of these to the 12, I would personally go for the 12. That's because the 12 is a 6.3-inch screen, and I just think that's a much more comfortable size phone for me personally. But I know a lot of people out there will disagree and prefer the 6.7-inch display. Um, again, for their sins, Xiaomi has created a slightly muddled product line, <laughs> and uh, here we are. You know, Made worse by the fact that if you do your research, you might also know that there are there is a 12S line, which is the... 12 and the 12 pro but with refreshed 8 plus chips but those are only available in china so you can't get them anywhere else um but yeah it it all gets a bit murky and i think their naming makes these feel closer to the 12 line than they really are and more like a direct Mm. comparison which makes it a bit tricky to figure out which one you should get well i will say yeah just a point obviously that affects all jammy phones is that Obviously, the MIUI skin, which I'm personally not a big fan of. I mean, I know we've spoken about yeah. this quite a lot before, but it's it's very different. I mean, I think I think there's a point where we can it's feel safe that it's saying, yeah, it's rubbish. I think each of us could individually go, well, personally, I'm not a fan. Uh, eventually, you've got to <laughs> say, we're all not bad. a fan. <laughs> the, the, yeah. bit like the phone that I use that cost the most money, but put me off using it and made, made it feel like a knockoff phone was the uh, Mi 11 ultra that crazy uh, yeah. phone Ooh. with the screen on the back it was like the yep. most insanely or just insane hardware but with me you are on it i was like oh, i can't even use this <laughs> no, it is it is the reason <laughs> i'm not I usually a snob about, time. about skins yeah. like the vivo one doesn't bother me too much i think even the redesigned yeah. OnePlus, i think is okay colorize is actually right but there's something yeah. about me UI. just that they change so much for the sake of it it feels like yeah i know i absolutely agree jammies are now it's the only brand left that i never instinctively stick with a Xiaomi phone just because of the software and you know, the 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 hardware is always fantastic but it's never the phone I want to want to linger on because it just frustrates me a little bit whereas I will put up with you know I've I've been open that I'm not a fan of Vivo's Fun Touch which regrettably they announced the other day Fun Touch 13 is on the way so they are sticking with the name oh, we got why? at least one more year of Fun Touch <laughs> in our lives uh, but yeah, you know that the I put up with it there, and it doesn't really bother me that much. You get used to it. MIUI is the only one that I never get used to. Even after a few yeah. weeks reviewing a device, I'm still like, no, this is just quite annoying. And yeah, interesting on naming because I when I was first in inspecting, it's like, oh, it's MIUI 13. Oh, I thought, yeah. oh, is this one of the first phones to bring an Android 13? <laughs> no, <laughs> MIUI 13 runs on Android 12. Uh, yeah, they know exactly <laughs> yeah. what they're doing there. But, um, uh, okay, cool. Thank you, Aaron. I guess, I mean, we might as well go straight into talking about the, the Redmi Note 12, because there's actually some kind of crossover here as we talk about that stuff. Um, 
especially as you get into the pro models there, which have a little bit of overlap with what Xiaomi's done in the 12T series. So Redmi Note 12, this has been a China launch that happened today. We do not know when any of these phones will come to the rest of the world or just sort of start with that. Uh, for the Note 11 series, basically took them two or three months. They kind of similarly launched in China in October and then made it to the rest of the world, I think, in January or around there. So I think it's plausible that it'll be several months before we see these make their way to India and Europe. Um, but I, they will probably come because the, the Redmi Note is the flagship line for Redmi, Xiaomi's budget line. Um, if, if you can make sense of that word salad. Um, there are kind of four phones, kind of five phones. It gets a bit murky because there are additions of things. Um, there is a regular Redmi Note 12. Then we get a 12 Pro, Pro Plus, and then the Note 12 Explorer edition which is really an addition of the Pro Plus, so I don't know why they didn't put Pro Plus in the name. There's also then this other edition called the Yibo edition or something, but that one is purely cosmetic differences and some bundled accessories. There's no spec changes. So there are four with slightly different specs. Um, the regular Note 12 is not super exciting. It is the cheapest one in there, um, but it's got a... Uh, uh, I'm on the wrong page on my browser with the specs, which doesn't make this very easy to do. A 6.67-inch OLED display, which it, you will find across all of them. Um, they all have 6.67-inch OLEDs at 120 hertz rate. Um, nice. The notable thing about the Note 12, really, is it's powered by the Snapdragon 4 Gen 1, which we haven't seen much of so far. This no. might be the first. I think we had a one phone the, the other week that was a 4 Gen 1. There was an IQ, wasn't there, with one? Yeah, that sounds about right. But we still haven't seen much adoption yet. So this is the kind of cheap end of, of the new Snapdragon line. Um, but from what we've seen, I think they've, they've done a decent job, and I think it is a step up from previous 4 Series, which we normally were a bit sketchy about whether you'd want to really use a 4 Series phone before because the performance was often very low. Yeah. Um, here you're getting specs like a 48 megapixel camera. The camera is basic. It's just a simple 48 megapixel paired with a 2 megapixel depth module on the back. So functionally, you're only getting one camera lens on the back. I don't actually mind that, though. We said before, I'd probably rather that... I know it's technically a two lens, but at least the one lens there is, is kind of focused on what it wants to do. They haven't bunged on yeah. four or five lenses, most of which are rubbish. Um, and on this one, you're getting a 5,000 milliamp hour battery with 33 watt charging. Um, so that's a kind of solid, affordable phone, not super exciting, looks like a bit of a, you know, get the job done, nothing flash. So when you get into the pros, that things get a little more interesting. Um, so all of the pro models are powered by the Dimensity 1080, which is a newish MediaTek chip. Um, and again, kind of up mid-range, but pretty decent mid-range and performance should be solid. They've all got this same 6.67 inch OLED. Um, they do have triple rear cameras, they get an ultra wide, but the big thing is actually the main camera. So on the Pro, it's just using the iX766, that 50 meg sensor we've seen in a million phones. We all know what it's capable of. But when you get to the Pro Plus and the Pro Plus Explorer Edition, no, sorry, it doesn't even say Pro Plus in the Explorer Edition name, I hate it. <laughs> Pro Plus and the Redmi Note 12 Explorer Edition have a 200 megapixel main camera on the back. This, to complicate that discussion about Samsung ISO cell sensors, this is not the HP1. It is not the HP3. It is not the unannounced HP2. This is the custom Samsung ISO cell HPX. Mm. Which, from everything I've been able to decipher from this Mandarin <laughs> launch, is functionally the HP3. And I don't know. They've you know, made some <laughs> tiny tweaks on the back end and they get to give it a different name and they get to say they're the first with the HPX and or whatever. As far as I can tell, this is basically the HP3. So I think it's the same processor in, in, uh, in the 12T Pro, though I might be wrong about that. Um, they have a, put it at a, a big aperture, f1.65, which kind wow. of interests me. And I, I, I think that could actually mean this is quite good, depending on <clears throat> how well it's all optimized and, and how well it works. Um, so you only get that if you go up to the Pro Plus or this Explorer edition. The other tiering you get on these is basically charging speeds, and that's the other fun bit here. So the Pro is 67 watt charging. The Pro Plus is 120 watt charging. The Explorer Edition is a Pro Plus in almost every spec, but it has a smaller battery, 
goes from 5,000 down to 4,300. But the charging goes up to a frankly ludicrous 210 watts. <laughs> which is, I'm pretty sure, the fastest in a phone that's actually on the market. You know, albeit only on the market in China, but still. Yeah. If you're out there in the right bit of the world, you could go and buy this as of uh, next week and get 210 watt charging. Um, that is a full charge in nine minutes. Wow. Oh. I will say straight good. out of the gate, that this makes no sense <laughs> yep. because let you you got at this point you got the choice of the pro plus or this explorer edition right and fundamentally the decision you've got to make is do i want to lose almost a fifth of my battery life in order mm -hmm. to charge like four minutes faster no is, is that it Only four obviously minutes. don't yeah. make that choice that's yeah. a terrible yeah. decision <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it doesn't. The branding doesn't really make sense because I assume that the Explorer Edition would be the one that lasts longer out of the two. Yes, because you're exploring with it. You're exploring <laughs> the boundaries of electrical safety limits and minor house fires. Explore, <laughs> exploring the uh, yeah the charging points of your local Starbucks. Yeah, the um, I think the sweet spot for this ludicrous uh, arms race, I reckon it's 80 watts. That, that's my my happy spot it only takes about half an hour to recharge quite a large android phone's battery um mm -hmm. and you're not putting it under too much <laughs> fire hazard yeah um, it needs its own air con yeah. unit just that's the thing down. we've actually only got to the point that um and because we review phones we end up not usually not using a phone that has this technology for you know two or three years so having only been on the market for a couple of years we don't know the battery degradation of all of these this technology yeah um, but i imagine that's not good for your battery nine minutes it it can't, and and this is something we've seen a lot of companies are really trying to avoid talking about. But credit to them, Oppo at least began acknowledging that this year when they were talking about their charging tech at uh, at MWC this year, I think it was, and they were sort of introducing the different speeds and and the fact that they were guaranteeing certain levels of battery life being retained even at certain charging speeds. Yeah, and it was very clear they kind of announced one you know, hypothetical charging speed where they were like, for this, we can still guarantee 80% battery life after X years. Then they also said, we can also do like 300 watt charging or something like that. They did not have that extra caveat about the battery life being retained. <laughs> and, it, you know, it was very clear. Yeah, when it's this hot, this fast, we we make no promises about longevity. Um, so, yeah, the industry other than Oppo has really just pretended it's not the consequence of very fast charging that it will probably harm battery life in the long term but it is it is the trade-off you make um I, I agree henry i think 80 to 100 watts feels like a good area to me the motorola is 125 watts and yeah that has been very fast and has not gotten too hot other 120 watt ones have also been okay for me so i would, I would maybe go that fast mm. 150 watts you know, it's very telling when you review the Realme's, when you use a Realme with 150 watt speed or the OnePlus, they don't actually do that by default. You have to go into a setting to turn on 150 <laughs> yeah. watt and say, you know, yes, I'm aware this may I harm agree. my battery life. I agree. You know, do the turbo charge, please. <laughs> yeah. But 210. And again, fine. 210 cool very cool to plug it in and just immediately have a charge and you know in the time you go make a cup of tea you come back and your phone's full that is great but it's very obvious that there's these all these kind of cooling and space constraints and you do get this direct choice as realme offered with their 150 watt one this year of course where someone says well do you want to drop your battery life to get faster charging really the answer has got to be no that's not a smart call to make mm. because you're actually you're then starting from a smaller battery and introducing faster battery degradation. And unless you're someone who upgrades your phone every year, or maybe every two years, you will find your battery life is going to plummet over the course of its life. Almost, almost certainly, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I would go for the one uh, of all of those, the, uh, the the one that's not the Explorer. <laughs> yes. Sounds like a, I mean, also, did you mention the prices there? I know this never properly converts to uh, a European pricing, but China's probably getting a good deal, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. For, for the context of all these specs, these are very, very cheap phones. As, like the Redmi Note 12, like Note line is always pretty affordable. So uh, just doing dollar conversions, the basic Note 12 converts to about 165 bucks. <laughs> the first Pro model is 230 bucks. Um, to get the Pro Plus, which gives you that 200 megapixel camera and 120 watt charging, that is $300. 
And if you want the 210 watt charging, that converts to about $330. Very competitive, um, yeah. Very, very mm. affordable. Obviously, as uh, you know, the way this always is, that is not the prices these things would be if they launched in internationally. They obviously wouldn't come to the US at all. But you know, like the the two to three hundred euro line is is not where these phones would end up. Yeah. But they'd only be f add another fifty or a hundred euros to each of those prices, and and that's probably what it will be. So they'll still be, you know, I would be surprised. I imagine we won't even get the Explorer edition in Europe, but the Pro Plus probably will, and that price converts to about 300 euros. I wouldn't be shocked to see it be 400 euros if it got an official release. And, you know, if it did, that would offer a lot for 400 euros. Yeah. 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 Especially on paper. Yeah. Mm. How do they get um, the price so low? Apart from the, the one thing I was meant to ask you and Aaron as well is that do they mm -hmm. not put adverts in like settings menus and things like that, Xiaomi? They're one of the main culprits for that kind of thing, aren't they? Advert, adverts I mean, in the they OS. Maybe, but I haven't so I see people complaining about that, any. but we don't really hear about it too much in the UK. I don't know if that's... They do uh, it a yeah, bit, but I don't think they do it any worse than it. Yeah, I've, I would say they do it less than Samsung, from my experience. Because it's so. good. Yeah, no, I think it is unfair. That's the, that's the thing. Like I hear this more often about Xiaomi, and, but I think the criticism is getting a bit louder for the big brands. Like Apple and Samsung are actually really bad yeah. at it. Well, I, I reviewed the S21 Ultra, and I got a notification pop up yeah. to uh, check out the new S twenty one Ultra uh, <laughs> while I was reviewing that exact phone. You know, Apple is yeah. ping pinging me when I was reviewing the iPhone to like you know buy Apple TV Plus and things like that. So it's quite bad. But I know the Xiaomi was the one who got got um, called out for it earlier on. I think Apple has always gotten away with it because the nature of the way they're set up is that people almost just internalized it as natural a natural thing for Apple to be pinging you about other bits of its ecosystem and it in a way took people a while to clock and go oh wait these are adverts like that's what they're doing they're advertising <laughs> to me and yeah. it just feels like it's apple telling you about new features and it's like no that's not what's happening here it's just advertising oh. a, another product or service um and it kind of took at least from my sense of the way that you know the online discourse went around this it was it took everyone complaining about samsung do it for people to then go Wait, but Apple's kind of done this all along, just no one ever spoke about it because we all quietly accepted that that was what your phone did. Hmm. Um, which is not <laughs> to defend defend either side of this at all. But um, yeah, I my, my, my gut instinct says Xiaomi is, if anything, not as bad as either of those two. Um, Fair. Though I think you, you'd yeah. probably get a bit more of that pre-installed bloatware side with Xiaomi. Hmm. That would be oh, my... Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, that was one of the big things I was complaining but in the yeah. reviews on the software side, it's just so many of their own apps and I just stuck with them. There's a lot more guff you've got to either uninstall or can't uninstall and are just stuck living yeah, with. Couldn't for many and of again, them. that's part of the UI complaint we've had before. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah. all of that applies here as well. It's a Redmi phone, but Redmi runs runs me UI, same as everything else, all the software, yeah. software headaches. It you know, these all ship with Android twelve running me UI thirteen. Um, one other nice novelty across these three phones is they all have headphones. Oh, sorry, the four phones. They all have headphone jacks. Cool. Which right. is, you know, oh, pretty cool. welcome, especially for the ones that are kind of, you know, for the Pro Pluses and Explorers and things that are pushing into, they're still affordable, but they're trying to push really high-end features. You'd forgive them for dropping the headphone jack, but, um, you know, there's something to be said for the fact they're still there. And hopefully that would survive to an international launch as well. My question is, who has wired headphones these days? I know we're using them now, but for a specific purpose. Like, who actually has wired headphones these days? It's been so long. I still see, like, I don't... see a lot of people with them. Like, you know, when I, really? in the gym, I certainly do. I don't know whether there's a bias in the way people use their equipment in the gym or something. If anything, you think you prefer wireless there. But I see yeah, plenty exactly. of people in my gym with uh, with wired headphones. I see, I see quite a lot of people on the tube with wired. And also... Um, I don't know if you noticed recently, but we were talking about online discourse and uh, there's actually been a, a trend emerging, particularly in the States, um, of it now being cool to wear wide headphones again. Like the, the novel, oh, really? the, like yeah. the Yeah. So like wireless isn't cool. And if you've got like wide headphones, like particularly in like the uh, Gen Z, you're like retro <laughs> and like keep, keeping it, okay. keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. I think a large which made me feel so old because I was yeah. like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> Everything I read about millennials these days, I'm like, God, I feel so old. But no, I think a large part of that, the wired thing in the US is is TikTok because yep. the wired microphone, especially for the iPhone, like the, the ear pods, the old school ear pods, the microphone is so much clearer mm. than what you get on the AirPods or any of the wireless headsets. So 
I think that's that's because yeah, they were dying out, and then TikTok became a thing, and now it's, everyone's using their little microphones. Yeah. I was going to say that's those are the headphones I see around. Is just people still using either the Apple ones or just whatever other you know free ones came with their phone. But it's just the little earbuds with with the wire. You know, I don't see people with big wired over ears very often, but people no. clearly just using those came with their phone that they bought three yeah. years ago. Headphones. <laughs> so I think up and, to up to the iPhone 11, they still bundled the Lightning ones in there. Yeah, I think so. People did, yeah. people use them. Uh, you know, and a lot of Android phones bundled headphones in for a long time too, as well. That has again mostly gone away. Though you still a few. I still open a few where I find a pair of headphones inside the box. But yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of people who will just do that. And if you don't care about headphones enough and you've got free wired ones you know yeah i suppose so yeah mm. why yeah. not so you know it's good to have the option i mean you know this yeah. is all it, it, it's going away right i i'm never gonna <laughs> yeah, overly exactly. bemoan a phone without a headphone jack but i think it's nice to flag <laughs> when it is there and say hey you know if you care like mm. someone's still making it's them there. they're out there every now and yeah. then you can still find them yeah um just just going back to the the redmi phones briefly i know on the software side I was just wondering, does this do they have the same commitment to updates? Because the, the 12T series was three years of OS and four years of security. Have they mentioned for these phones what? Uh, I not. have not <laughs> been able to find that. I, I right. no one else has seen in their coverage as much to do it, and I my Mandarin certainly wasn't good enough to uh, pick out an Android update promise. So I am not sure. I would hazard right. a guess it will maybe be a lower update promise, or they won't have made one at all. That would that is just my my. My speculation, but no, I I, I haven't okay. seen any numbers on that. Um, but yeah, so Redmi Note 12 series, they actually, I'm I'm mostly impressed by what I've seen here. I obviously have big question marks about that 200 megapixel camera because, you know, they're never, you never know it's actually going to be any good, and and I don't know that this HPX sensor is actually going to be an improvement or if it's even just they've shaved some bits off to be able to make it cheaper and give it its own custom name. So we'll see. Yeah, they, they haven't optimized, you know, they haven't had time to optimize it like everyone else has over multiple generations of phone using the same yeah, exactly. sensor. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the first thing is that regular, uh, the, the sort of base uh, 12 Pro that uses an IMX 766, I wouldn't be shocked if that takes better photos than the yeah. Plus model because they've used that 766 so many times and it optimized the hell out of using that sensor that they know exactly what they're doing with it and do not with the HPX and, and you may see weird results like that, but we'll see. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it will probably be a few months before we see these come to Europe, but just wait as Jake's me eat my words and announces the European launch next week just to spite me or something like that. <laughs> um, we will be back next week one way or another, whether you like it or not. Uh, until then, uh, I don't know, look after yourselves or something. Thank you for listening and watching, and bye for now. See ya.